This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift, it's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame, so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. is a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Heidi Murkoff, and I'm a mom on a mission, a mission to help you know what to expect every step of the way. Ah, sleeping like a baby sounds so peaceful until you actually see a baby sleeping and then you realize it's anything but peaceful. As you probably noticed the first time you stood over your newborn's bassinet, wondering why her rest was so restless and so noisy and so many whimpers and squeaks and strange little breathing sounds, you know, the ones that keep you standing over her bassinet in the first place. And so much waking. Yes, newborns sleep a lot, but usually not for more than two, three hours 
tops at a time, which explains why you're so tired. With your sleepy little bundle rousing often for feeds and changes and cuddles, a full night's sleep for you, or even a nice long nap, may be but a parental pipe dream for now. And though you knew this new tired normal was coming, you might not have expected exactly how exhausting it would be to care for a newborn who spends so much time asleep. You might even be wondering when, or even if, your little one will actually sleep through the night and when you'll feel comfortable letting her sleep without watching her. Baby steps. You will get there eventually, I promise. But I'm not going to lie. By eventually, I am not talking weeks. I'm talking months. But in the meantime, we are diving deep today into newborn sleep. How much, how often, how to do it safely, and if and when and how to start making bedtimes and nap times routine. Getting sleepier already? Let's get started. I'm here with Emma. Sorry, I fell asleep. (laughs) Good, then we're off to a good start. You knew it wasn't going to be easy to get newborns to sleep. Do you think that it was harder than you actually expected? Yeah, you don't really know until it's happening. I'm one who enjoys her sleep. And so after I had Lennox, I was desperate to literally do anything I possibly could do to get him to sleep. So I broke every single cardinal rule. Every single thing that you're not supposed to do, I did just so I could sleep. You know, it's survival of the sleepiest, you could say, when you're a new mom. So whatever gets you through the the night, it's all right. Yes. But it's how long you keep up those habits, I think, that probably matters. What were some of the things that you did with Lennox that maybe you didn't necessarily regret, but regret later on when they became habits for well, him. Lennox didn't sleep in his crib or bassinet. Lennox slept in my arms. And mm. that went on for a very, very long time, like maybe a year-ish. And so I really set him up for disaster when it came to sleep. He wasn't sleep trained until he was like four years old. And that was not a mistake I was going to make with Sebi. I was like, not again. This took like 15 years off my life, the the exhaustion. (laughs) I learned a lot of lessons. I always rocked him to sleep in my arms. He never napped in his crib. He only napped on me. And so one thing that I was adamant about with Sebi is that he's going to learn how to put himself to sleep. Lennox didn't get that advantage. Oh my gosh. I literally drove every single day for three hours so he would sleep. Eventually he slept in the car. I made every single classic mistake you could possibly make. When you were a baby, we lived in New York City, so we didn't have a car. What I would do, I would put you in the stroller and I would walk around. So actually it's better for my health than driving around, but on a hot day, nothing like it. Let me tell you. I would like freak out because anytime the car would stop at a stoplight, I would like freak out. Like, oh my God, he's going to wake up. Why did you put this stop sign here? Right. The same thing in New York City is, A, I'd have to like be super gentle going over the curbs with the stroller and there were always potholes. Mm -hmm. But the other thing, you have to stop for the light, for the pedestrian crossing lights. And so it was a a struggle. And then I'd go into a store with the stroller and you'd immediately wake up. So I couldn't even do my shopping. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good times. So what did you do differently with Sebi? Oh, Sebi 
from the beginning. Okay, no, I'm lying now. I'm lying. <laughs> For a few months until my husband yelled at me, did rock him to sleep in mm -hmm. my arms and he napped on me. I did give it up. I ripped off the Band-Aid and he started to sleep in his crib and he put himself to sleep. And to this day, he is an amazing sleeper. He puts himself to sleep. He is my son where he looks nothing like me, but he can sleep like his mother. <laughs> I set him up for a good, healthy life of sleep. Sleep success. Watch tonight. He's going to be up all night. Murphy's Law. Absolutely. And, you know, with you guys, I do remember we did sleep training with you when you were about maybe four months, five months. And then you slept well after that until you started coming back into our bed when you were able to. That was super tough for you to quit. I think you were 12 when you yeah. stopped doing that. Maybe 13. Maybe. Mm. Yeah. So I'd say that was a mistake, but no guilt. Live and Live learn. Live and learn. Exactly. I would say I made more of those mistakes the first time. You typically do make more mistakes with your first one. Same. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm putting mistakes in air quotes because, you know, it's not that you make mistakes. It's that you learn on the job and it's a steep learning yeah. curve, especially when it comes to things like this. Yeah. Especially when you're tired. Yeah. And it's again with the desperate times and desperate parents take desperate measures. And the other thing is you're trying to find the path of least resistance to sleep. And the path to least yeah. resistance with a baby or with a toddler is probably going to be in your arms or with some other kind of comforting habit. So you take the easy street when you're a parent sometimes. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, you do. And, you know, the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, he's only going to be a baby once. This is what I tell myself so I don't feel like the thing that's not going to end up going so great eventually. Yeah. The thing is, they're not going to be a baby for long, but they'll keep those habits for a lifetime. Exactly. Exactly. So exactly. we're going to try to take easy street, but give you some good tips along the way that'll make it even easier and hopefully get your child to develop some good sleep habits. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I am answering the biggest questions you have about your newborn's sleep and yours. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. When your child fights sleep, it can feel like a battle you'll never win. Imagine a bedtime routine you all look forward to, where you cuddle in and let the stress of the day melt away. Welcome to Sleep Tight Stories, a calming weekly podcast that brings bedtime stories, cuddles, and comfort to families worldwide. The stories are quirky, relatable, and spark wonder without overstimulation. 
so listeners can fall asleep and stay asleep. Each episode is narrated by me, Cheryl McLeod, a second grade teacher, and written by my husband, Clark, an eternal second grader at heart. Tune in tonight and bond over a story before drifting off to sleep. Make bedtime the sweetest part of your day. Sleep Tight Stories. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Cowie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Okay, mom, so this is my favorite topic because it's sleep. And if there's one thing that I like, it's sleep. Let's go through some of the biggest questions our listeners have about their newborn sleep. How many hours should a newborn baby be sleeping? Well, sleep is definitely job one for babies. So they spend more time sleeping than doing anything else, even feeding. My God, how do I apply for this job? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I, I think you exceed the age requirement. But yeah, they feed a lot, but they don't feed as much as they sleep. About 16 out of every 24 hours are spent sleeping. And that's really for a good reason, because sleep is when babies do some of their best growing and some of their best developing. So it is always time well spent, as it should be, especially when it's interspersed with frequent feedings. And breastfed babies are going to need those feedings even more than formula-fed babies. And all newborns are sleepy. That's the way they're born. And that's so that they can do all that important growing and developing. But some newborns are actually especially sleepy. And early on, some babies are completely content to sleep through feeds. And they actually shouldn't do that. It sounds counterintuitive, but it's really important to wake a sleepy head for feeds if he doesn't wake up on his own and he doesn't demand them himself. It's not easy. You can try unswaddling some skin to skin, a cool cloth, sitting baby up in your lap, of course, supported, that might help. And here's the trick. It's way easier to wake a baby up from rapid eye movement, REM sleep, active sleep than it is during deep sleep. Deep sleep is a beast to try to wake them up from. 
Old habits die hard. Yes, they do. Okay, so what about all that moving around and all those sounds they're making when they're sleeping? Babies are notorious Mm -hmm. for this. And that weird breathing, that always made me panic. Yep. It makes everybody panic. Remember all that REM sleep that you did during pregnancy? That was the reason you did all the tossing and turning, well, that and the heartburn and the peeing all night. But that was dream sleep. That's the REM sleep. And so if you ever stood over a sleeping baby and, oh my God, if you haven't done that, you absolutely should because that's when you see those little eyelids moving around and those ridiculously cute faces that they make, those little pouts and the smiles and the frowns and the puckers. And that's when they make all of those precious little sounds, those little squeaks that make you melt into a pool of slush. And for us, it's just plain cute. But baby brains are actually working over time during REM sleep. That's when babies do a lot of their serious brain development. They're learning and processing information that they soak up when they're awake. So it's never a waste of time. In fact, interestingly enough, preemies do more of that REM sleep. And that's probably because their brains need that extra development time that they otherwise would have gotten on the inside. Now, something else you might notice while you're watching and listening your baby sleep is how irregular your baby's breathing is during active sleep. It can seem really rapid. It can seem very shallow. And then you have those long pauses between breaths. And that's where parents often go into panic mode. And then you hear those like occasional little snorts and grunts. But all of that is normal. That's the good news. It's not going to stop you from standing over the bassinet anytime soon, but it's normal. It's called periodic breathing, and it's standard for newborns when they're in the REM phase. And of course, then you have deep sleep, which babies alternate with active sleep, and they do that about every 30 minutes. Deep sleep is also going to make you panic occasionally because they sleep so soundly. They're so still. Their breathing is so quiet that Sometimes you have to just give them a little jiggle to make sure they're still breathing. Not that I've ever done that. Yeah, me neither. No, never done that. Okay, so should we really wait out the whimpers before picking them up? Or should we just go in for the kill? (laughs) I mean, we all learn this eventually, but I'm trying to help my sisters and brothers out so you don't have to learn the hard way. Unless it's time to wake up for a feed wait to pick up your baby if they're just doing that little light whimpering, that fussing, because they're going to do a lot of that when they're in REM sleep and they might still be sleeping. And if they're still sleeping and you jump in to pick them up, then you're going to interrupt that sleep. So it's not the same as crying it out at all. We're not even going there, not at all at this point. But those little whimpers when they're still sleeping, you don't have to necessarily pick them up right away. And you're going to figure out the difference between crying and whimpering and, you know, that sleepy fussing pretty soon. And when they full on cry, that's when you pick them up. Unless, of course, it's time for a feed. If, if it's time for a feed, then you go for it anyway and wake them up. And it's going to be easier to wake them up during REM sleep. But sleeping like a baby, that is a load of crap because they are super, super noisy when they sleep. Okay, so mixing up days and nights. Why do newborns do that? And what can we as parents do to help that? So you did this. Wyatt did this. Most babies do this. If you think about it, they spend nine months in the dark, literally. Day and night is all the same in the womb cocoon. And if you also think about it, when do babies do most of their kicking? When they're in utero, when you're pregnant, when do they kick? They do it at night. Why? Because that's when you're lying down. And during the day, when you're up and around, 
they're lulled to sleep by the movement. So it's only natural that they would continue that pattern after they're born. So it is natural. It's temporary. It usually takes a few weeks of adjustment to life on the outside, but babies typically stop mixing up their days and nights on their own. And you can help speed that realization with just a few basic tricks. First would be have your baby do most of her daytime sleep in a light room and have her do her nighttime sleep in a dark one so that you're making that distinction. Light is for lighter sleep and dark is for deeper sleep. Second would be to keep her daytime sleep sessions shorter. So you don't want to let her sleep more than three hours at a time during the day and then wake her if she goes longer than that. And during the day, you can be super engaging. That's the time to pull out all the simulation stops to do lots of chatting and singing and all those silly faces you're waiting to use. And at night, when your baby wakes, only do the necessary diaper changing. You want to keep that to a minimum. So if you have to change, great, but go for it with the lights super low. Don't pull out your phone or turn on the TV when you're doing feeds and keep all the communications to a whisper or softly sung lullabies so that the baby gets the idea that nighttime is not party time, right? One thing you shouldn't try though, and a lot of parents learn this the hard way too, is try to keep your baby up all day thinking that he's going to sleep better at night that does not work, that backfires big time. Babies need daytime naps and infants need lots and lots of daytime sleep. And overtired babies actually sleep less well, not better. And the same, I think, Emma, you would agree, could be said for overtired children. That is so true. When Sebi is overtired, I always think he's going to sleep great that night and he is up at the brightest crack of dawn. So yeah. Okay, when should we expect for a baby to sleep through the night? I guess like not the first day. (laughs) And how do you know it's okay to skip the middle of the night feedings? Yeah, so every baby is different. Newborns, whether they're breast or formula fed or they do a combo, they need to eat several times, at least during the night. And they definitely should not do anything approximating sleeping through the night. Even most three or four month old babies still need at least one middle of the night feeding, maybe two. And a lot of them continue needing at least one until they're pushing six months. And especially breastfed babies, since breast milk is more easily digested, babies need that refill more frequently. Now, metabolically speaking, older babies can go without a middle of the night feed once they've reached 12 pounds. But a lot of babies reach 12 pounds in the early (laughs) early months. And so that might not hold true. And also many babies, whether metabolically they need to or not, they don't choose to. And that's fine because, you know, easy for me to say, but what you can do if you have a midnight muncher who's left 12 pounds in the dust and is still feeding the night away is try to gradually extend the time between feeds by a few minutes a night you know, or not. If you have to do what feels best for you and what's comfortable for you. And also remember, when a baby wakes with a whimper, look before you leave if you've already just fed her because she might be sleeping or she might settle back to sleep given a chance. Something else to try if you're feeling like an all-night diner and the nightly special is your boobs. Make sure the baby's getting a full feed before 
your baby nods off because otherwise they're having a midnight snack, not a midnight meal. And the other thing is with breastfeeding, if your baby is only getting a few sips, that's the hind milk, that's the skim milk that will not keep them full for the night. So you want to make sure that a baby at least finishes one breast before she conks out again so she won't wake up hungry again in 20 minutes. And also you've got to keep in mind sleeping through the night sounds great, but it doesn't mean that you put your baby down to sleep at 7 p.m. and they wake up at 7 a.m., at least not this early in the sleep game. Even for really good sleeper, maybe it'll mean a 7 or 8 o'clock bedtime, then a 10, 11 p.m. snack, and then maybe after some time, if you're lucky, they'll sleep till 5, maybe 6, then a little more bottle or breast, and then they'll go back to sleep for a couple of hours after that. And gradually, the idea is to expect the longer stretches of sleep to come at night and to get longer and longer. And if they don't get longer, then we can talk later. You know, sleep training isn't something you should even think about doing until your baby's closer to six months. Definitely not before four months, but check with the pediatrician. Okay, mom. So what exactly is safe sleep? What does that mean? Obviously, if you have a newborn, it's going to be a while before you get that full night's sleep, right? But you will rest easier if you know your baby is sleeping safely, if not soundly. Mm -hmm. And that means doing absolutely everything experts recommend to minimize the risk of SIDS or sudden infant death syndrome. This is the must-do stuff. And you know it's important when I say it's must-do because There's so little must-do in my book, literally. But when it comes to safe sleep, it's a must-do. And safe sleep, it starts with the right position right from the start. Flat on his back, not on his side, not on his tummy, not at a semi-recline like in a swing or in a car seat. Flat on his back is flat out the safest way for a baby to sleep. A pacifier for sleep is really also protective. That's what the research shows. If your baby will take one, if he doesn't take a passy, you don't have to stress out. Location also matters. Safest place for your baby to sleep is in your room, next to your bed, but not in your bed. So being close to a parent during sleep, we know is protective against SIDS. Mind you, nobody is going to sleep soundly that way, least of all you, what with all those baby noises and startles and tossing and turning, but baby will sleep more safely. And that's what it's all about. Safe sleep space, a bassinet, a pack and play with a bassinet insert or a crib are all safe for sleep, assuming they're new, they've passed safety requirements, no old models or ones that might've been recalled and definitely no antiques. Unsafe sleep spaces are, unfortunately, baby's favorites. So, and I hear this all the time from moms. My baby loves sleeping in a docatot. I know we're not supposed to put the baby in, in the docatot for sleep, but that's the only place my baby will sleep. Loungers, nests, docatots, boppies, all of those are fun for hanging out, but not for sleep. And babies sleep way better in those spaces because they're so super cozy, but they are not safe. And the same thing for swings or seats or rock and plays. And those have been recalled for that reason. Anything that puts baby at a semi-recline Yes, babies will nod off in them, absolutely, because they love that motion. And some babies will sleep in them, given the opportunity for hours at a time. But for safety's sake, as soon as you can, move a baby into a safe sleep space if they've fallen asleep in a a swing or in a, a seat. And don't let babies nap in those 
you notice when a newborn is in that position, their heads flop forward and that can lead to their airway being blocked. And it can also lead to tightening of the neck muscles called toracolis. So definitely none of that. And also no sleeping on sofas, even if you're sitting nearby and you think your baby can't roll over yet. So why not put them on the sofa? They'll sleep better. No, no, no. No armchairs, no beanbag chairs. And don't forget my motto. This is something I taught Lennox when he was about to become a big brother and he loved repeating it. What goes in the crib? Nothing but the baby. Nothing in that safe sleep space. Otherwise, it's not a safe sleep space anymore. No pillows, no positioners, no blankets, no rolled up blankets as positioners, no blankets except for a tight swaddle, and no swaddles at all once you have a baby Houdini who can escape from those because loose bedding is also unsafe. And no soft toys, no wedges, no bumpers, just a baby flat on his back on a firm, tight-fitting mattress covered by a tight-fitting sheet. I did listen to you about all this stuff. I didn't have a docatot. I didn't have any of that and stuff. And those are fine to have. To clarify, if, if you use a docatot for lounging, that's perfectly fine. That's great. They're as great. long as they're awake or you're supervising, but don't let them sleep in it. And also, if there's a chance that you're going to fall asleep with your baby in one of those things, that's also a risk. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. 
And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Okay, so what if you fall asleep with your baby on top of you? We all have that picture of our husband sleeping with the baby on top of them because it's just oh so precious. I love them. And that's totally fine if you're awake and taking that picture of the baby sleeping on dad. Yeah. You know, it's so tempting. It is so hard not to fall asleep when you're so tired, your baby's on top of you. Breastfeeding moms especially because the breastfeeding hormones make you so, so sleepy. So it happens. It's going to happen. But it's much safer to put your baby down in that safe sleep spot as soon as you can before you fall asleep. And no matter where you're sleeping, but especially on a sofa or recliner, what happens with that sometimes this baby can fall off or become entrapped. And that's super dangerous, especially, well, clearly if you're sleeping. And I know, I know it's the best feeling in the world to have a sweet sticky baby on your chest or in your arms, but it's just too risky to take that chance. I mean, what about co-sleeping? Is there mm. a right way and the wrong way? You know, I did it. And I know you did. Me, you told me not to. I didn't listen, which is not a massive surprise. You know, but the thing is, the term co-sleeping is actually confusing. It's way more accurate to say room sharing versus bed sharing. Now, room sharing is recommended for preventing SIDS, completely recommended, but bed sharing is not recommended. And I know a lot of people say you can do it safely, but the AAP and all other experts, most other experts are not going to agree with that. There are lots of tight spaces that a baby can be come entrapped in. And also, if you could be sure that nobody would roll over during the night, like a heavy sleeper might. And moms do sleep much more lightly around their babies in general. That's what the research shows, but it's just not something experts want you to risk. There are so many variables and it's really hard to completely modify or control all of them to make bed sharing safe. Once again, I get it. I totally get it. If I'm going to be honest, there is nothing in the world I'd rather sleep with, sorry, Eric, than a (laughs) a sweet smelling bundle of baby. But as tempting as it is and convenient for feeding because baby's right there and can nip as they want to, you got to put safety first. Okay, but how can you get them to sleep? Should we swaddle? Should we use white noise? What about putting them down to sleep. These are, see, for me, I'm team white noise. I can't sleep without a white noise machine. My kids can't sleep without a white noise machine. Yeah, I know. I know. And there's a good reason for that. Babies are creatures of comfort and they're creatures of habit. And that's especially true when it comes to sleep. They are comforted by what they are used to. And what they're used to is being in I'm going to say it again, that womb cocoon. No, not the womb cocoon. (laughs) They're all snug and they're tightly wrapped and they have very little room so they can't move around and they're in that fetal position. And by the time they're moving closer to the exit, they really can't, they have no space at all. And so tight spaces are their 
their happy place, not wide open spaces. And that's why so many of them enjoy being swaddled. Not all. Every baby's different. Some prefer their hands or their feet to be free. But for most, you know, it's a wrap. It's a wrap, a sleep sack, a hybrid sleep sack, swaddle. Those are great too. They'll also prefer a smaller sleep space. So a cradle or a bassinet or a bassinet insert at first is way better than a crib for sleep if you can get one. Now, motion, motion. It's not realistic for you to keep up rocking around the clock. But when you rock a baby to sleep in the early months, that's absolutely fine because they're used to that. It's comforting. And especially during the day when you're moving around, they're used to that movement. And bassinets that rock can help you keep that motion going after you put your baby down. There are also some high-tech versions that come with high price tags. My worry about those is that they are electronic, so they keep rocking on their own. The thing about that is they can be super addictive and super expensive, and some babies end up hating all of that motion, and that's after you've already laid down the big bucks for the, the bassinet. Something else babies are used to, and now we're getting to the white noise. They are used to sleeping with noise. And you'd think the uterus would be a pretty quiet place, but it's actually louder than you would expect. There's your heartbeat, the gurgling of your tummy from all of that gas, the sound of your voice, other sounds around the house like dogs barking, horns honking if you live in a city. So a newborn is likely to sleep better when it's not completely quiet with a white noise machine, a fan going, soft music, or a soother that imitates uterine or heartbeat sounds. Now, you know, people say, well, should you keep the house quiet when baby's sleeping? You can try to minimize lots of extra extraneous background noise, but the reality is they're going to have an easier time sleeping when they're older if they can sleep through your phone ringing or the doorbell ringing than if they were used to complete quiet. So what about not putting them down asleep? That's what I did with Len and Sebi always awake when I put them down. So you're talking about trying to put them down awake instead of asleep. Correct. The idea that they need to fall asleep on their own. Yeah. It is so, so hard for young babies not to fall asleep when they're feeding. I mean, it's almost, I I would say it's almost impossible. So it's not as easy as saying, oh, I'll just put my baby down awake and that way he'll learn to fall asleep solo. I mean, that is ideal, but it's not super realistic. Listen, any chance that you can do that and put them down drowsy, you want them drowsy, but still a little bit awake so they can travel the last few inches to dreamland on their own. And, you know, your baby will, as a creature of comfort and habit, get used to any of those comforting habits that you've created, the feeding to sleep, rocking to sleep. I wouldn't worry about that. As long as you kick those sleep crutches by the time you reach the six-month mark, it's really all good. And, you know, then there's always the question, this was an issue for me constantly when you were a baby, will she stay asleep once I put her down? And the answer is, it's pretty dicey. I'd do that with you when you were a baby. I'd rock, 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 rock. It would take all that rocking effort. You're finally asleep. I'd say a prayer. I'd rock some more. I'd say another prayer. And then I would try to stop breathing, right? And I'd ever so gently put you down. And the moment you would hit the mattress... Gently, because I was super gentle with you. You'd wake right up. I swear, I'm getting anxiety just talking about that right now. (laughs) 
I'm getting anxiety hearing it. <laughs> it's so hard. And this is one of the problems that a lot of moms have. For me, it was probably had a lot to do with the fact that my arms are, are so short. So having a mattress that's a little bit higher up, if you're vertically challenged like me, that could help. And also a rocking bassinet. We didn't have a rocking bassinet, but one that you put them down and then rock a little bit, do some shushing, and hopefully they'll fall back asleep. When should we put our baby on a sleep schedule? And what exactly should that newborn sleep routine look like? So again, we are taking baby steps. The road to sleeping through the night, let's just say it might be a long and winding road in some homes. But the first steps on that road, no matter where it leads and how long it takes, are good sleep habits and a good sleep routine. So before we dig in, I've got to clarify, a sleep routine is not a sleep schedule. Newborn babies don't have schedules and they're not supposed to have schedules. They might start to fall into some kind of pattern of sleep on their own and they might not because again, every baby is different. And some babies by nature, they're more regular and others are by nature more irregular. But it's not something that we as parents can or should impose on them in the first few months. The only exception is, as we mentioned before, waking up a baby when it's time for a feed if they've gone too long without one or encouraging a little extra daytime play to help a baby distinguish between days and nights. But beyond that, you do not want to mess with those natural cycles. Now, once baby's two or three months old, you might start to notice a rhythm, if not a full-on pattern to waking and sleeping. So it's not going to be a schedule, but it'll be a little bit more of a predictable pattern. Sleep, wake, eat, sleep, wake, eat, sleep. But the periods of wake time, hopefully they'll come more often during the day, are gradually going to grow as baby becomes more alert and more sociable and way, way more fun to play with. But even a three-month-old who's so active and engaged and, and sociable and smiling and, you know, starting to giggle, they'll still be sleeping upwards of 14, even 16 hours a day. It's just that they're doing slightly longer stretches than a newborn. And hopefully those stretches will come at night. Now, sleep routines, that is a can do and a should do. It's not a must do because we have very few of those, but you can start doing it right from the start. On the plus side, a predictable bedtime routine, it's easy to establish, soothing on both sides. It's best of all, the long-term payoff potential is huge. You have a baby who hopefully comes to anticipate bedtime and associate the routine with falling asleep. And ultimately, one day or one night in the future, hopefully not too, too, too far distant future, they fall asleep on their own. But again, babies are creatures of habit and comfort. And what a bedtime routine does, it creates a comforting habit that's so consistent, it becomes routine. You have a predictable series of steps that gently apply the brakes to a baby's mind and body. And it starts to clue baby in that bedtime is the time to stop buzzing and start getting sleepy. And hopefully it lays down a foundation for that childhood of of happy bedtimes and healthy sleep. And that at least is the long-term goal. Keep it simple, keep it consistent, a warm bath, or even a sponge bath if you're not doing a nightly bath, low lights, soft music, a mellow vibe, turn off the TV, turn off the notifications on your phone, a massage, and you can use lavender scented lotion to get them extra sleepy. 
quiet cuddles, even a story. And yes, you can start reading to your baby on the first night just to get into the habit. Some rocking, some lullabies, shushing, and then fingers crossed, sleep. Okay, so Emma, you're a tired mom, perpetually tired. What's your best advice to those tired moms out there? I want you to understand that I, even when they're out of the house, you're always going to have that mom worry. So no matter what age they are, you're going to be concerned and you're going to, they're your kids. So just know that you will never sleep like before you had children. That's a cherry thought. I think the ultimate irony is that once they start sleeping through the night, you've already lost that ability for a lifetime. Exactly. So it's never going to be the same. But it will get better. Moms, it will get better. It will get better. It's a new mm-hmm. normal. It's the new it normal. Is. And you'll get used to it. You got this. Who needs sleep? You got a coffee. You're fine. <laughs> You're going to get some sleep. Don't listen to Emma. Here's to safe and comfy sleeping. Ooh, baby love, my baby love, I need you. Oh, how I need you. Thanks for listening. Remember, I'm always here for you. What to expect is always here for you. We're all in this together. For more on what you heard on today's episode, visit whattoexpect.com slash podcast. You can also check out what to expect when you're expecting, what to expect the first year, and the what to expect app. And we want to hear from you. Connect with us on our community message board or on our social media. You can find me at Heidi Murkoff and Emma at Emma Bing WTE. And of course, at what to expect. Baby Love is performed by Riley Beaterer. What to Expect is a production of iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. In my arms, why don't you stay? Need ya, need ya, baby love, ooh, ooh, baby love. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans... 
Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.